We are back. I know, it's been a while. Wednesday. I'm back with Reed Horner and Matt Murphy's on the phone. I'm Christian Goey. Manny Adeye is producing for us behind the glass. Thank you, Manny. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, the draft was yesterday. A lot happened. A lot of trades. So forgive me if I get some things wrong and they're all jumbled in my head, but we're going to try to get it right. Uh, we knew what was going to happen at 1-2 and two with Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram. Number three was the big question mark with Boston, their first of their of eight picks that they had. Uh, they went Jalen Brown after much trade talks that they had uh, didn't, didn't go through. Guys, Matt Murphy deserves a lot of credit here picking J- Jalen Brown on our pre-draft podcast on Wednesday. Matt, you were right. How did you feel when you saw the, when you saw the pick go down? I was actually, well, first, thank you. I appreciate all the praise for that. But, uh, I mean, I really put a lot of stock into the workouts, like I said on the last podcast, and they worked them out twice in the last two weeks. I personally don't love Jalen Brown as a prospect. I think he could be a solid role player down the road for Boston. But Chris Dunn was the guy for me on the board that was the best available talent. But with Isaiah Thomas already there, you can't bring in Chris Dunn, a guy that needs the ball in his hands all the time, and expect that to work out. So, Maybe they took the safe road, but we'll see how it works out. I don't see Jalen Brown being as good of a player as you need from that number three pick overall. What did you guys think? Yeah, no, I was definitely surprised uh, watching that pick. It was as it um, built up to it. There's a lot more talk about them. Either they're not going to trade it because they can't get rid of it. So there's a lot of talk about them getting someone like done and then trading done. Yeah, you know that didn't go down. But when Jalen Brown was picked, I was sitting in my seat and I just kind of like. So almost spit out my drink because <laughs> I felt that if you're going to go for someone that's athletic, you could have just gone. And I, I'm guessing they drafted him off of his potential, what he could become, right? Matt talked about becoming a great role player, but I have to expect it. Number three, they think maybe he can be even more. I think if you're drafting off of potential, though, there's a lot of other players that you could have gone. Like I think Buddy Heald has more upside. I know I thought Murray would go because he would fit better, but if what they looked like they were doing is they were doing going off potential and, and I'm not going to say he's going to do poorly, but I was taken aback, to say the least. You know, Jalen Brown's actually a great prospect heading into this draft, but Chris Dunn just got so much hype that he was the presumptive number three pick just because of how he played at Providence. But Jalen Brown is is a prospect that's super talented, and Matt, he said he spoke along the same lines as you did on Wednesday about the interest he was receiving. If we could get that clip now, that would be great. I knew they were heavily interested when they asked me to come back for a second workout, but uh, you hear different things every day. I mean, it, it changes every day, so I was not sure at all, but I'm glad to be here, and uh, I think this is the right fit. Yeah, you know, they really, I guess, showed a lot of interest in him before the draft. He's a guy that's super athletic. He's a six foot six shooting guard slash small forward, can shoot the ball as well, so the potential's there. But a lot of people were thinking more NBA-ready prospects because Boston's in a position right now where they're, they're looking at a top three seed in the East as it's wide open there in the East. Really only LeBron James and the Cavs are the team to, to, to beat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they had, a ton of, they had a ton of talks about Jimmy Butler with Chicago. Were you guys surprised they weren't able to land Butler? No, well, there's two things you can't teach in basketball, height and athleticism. <laughs> so Brown obviously has the latter. So I understand they probably think they can turn him into maybe even a superstar. The Butler thing I thought we pretty much established he wasn't leaving Chicago once Rose left. I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about him on draft night. 
but either one was 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 surprising. But only time can tell in these drafts. You never really like you come out. You see these post draft grades, right? Oh, but B plus, A plus, and we really don't know. I gotta trust Danny Ainge, who I think is a really great basketball mind, and hopefully he saw, and obviously Matt saw something all of us didn't didn't see before. So we'll see. Well, you know, I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna say the Celtics really need shooting, and and Brown is a decent shooter, like you said, Christian. But from from beyond the arc, he only shot twenty nine percent last year. So if Right. Brad Stevens can work too. wonders with Jalen Brown. Maybe it'll work out, but the funniest thing of the night was a comment from Jalen Brown when they asked him what his favorite Celtics memories were growing up watching the team, and he said he started to answer, and he was going to say something about the old-time Celtics team before he stopped himself <laughs> and said, did I have to be alive <laughs> for the memories? And everyone was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, how would you remember something that you didn't see? <laughs> he was probably thinking about Larry Bird, and he wasn't alive. Yeah. Larry he's, Bird was he's also shell-shocked. He's probably <laughs> as surprised as we all were, right? He's like, oh, my favorite memory of Bill Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and Chris Dunn's the name that we, we were talking about. He went number five to Minnesota, and Minnesota was the other team that was in talks with, with Chicago to get Jimmy Butler. Apparently, the Bulls rejected the offer. They were looking for Levine and Dunn at number five for Jimmy Butler, and I guess that was too much to give up Levine as well. Um, so nothing happened there. Jimmy Butler's still a Bull. Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm, I think Jimmy Butler's being a little overrated here. I think he's a great player, can really defend, can, can, do, can do it all. But I, I think Chris Dunn, you know, he's a guy you can really build your team around. He's a point guard that can really defend. He can really run. He's six foot four. Amazing story. Came from practically nothing. Um, his mom uh, w- went, went to jail and then his dad uh, took to two boys and, and they came from basically nothing. It's an amazing story. Uh, Chris Dunn and his brother were living on their own for two months at one point. Um, so you, you can't help but root for this guy, but just based on his ability, I thought Chris Dunn's just as good a player as Jimmy Butler to build your team around. I, I, I mean, if you guys disagree, please, please let it be known. But I don't know. I, I just think they're asking a little bit much for Jimmy Butler. Well, not much. They, they're in that position. But I don't know. Give me your, your take. Well, I, I agree with you. I think Chris Dunn is a really good two-way prospect. And maybe Jimmy Butler was being asked of a little bit, or what was being asked for Jimmy Butler is a little bit too much. But I think you just got to look at it from the standpoint that the Timberwolves are already kind of set on the wings, and to get, to bring in a point guard that can play defense like Chris Dunn and also have the ball in his hands on offense overall helps them out more than I think even if they got Jimmy Butler because maybe you give up Levine or I heard possibly they might have even had to give up Andrew Wiggins, which could have easily been the breaking point in those discussions. So you already have a guy like Andrew Wiggins. You have an athletic guy on the wing with Zach Levine as well. So to bring in Chris Dunn, that brings the Timberwolves roster more into like a close-knit type full unit than if they would have gotten Jimmy Butler, I think, and had to give up more of their pieces that are already in place. Yeah, so as Jimmy Butler goes, I agree with you. I think he's overrated, not because he's not an amazing player. I just don't see him as what many have labeled him as this franchise player. This, yeah, I, think yeah I agree. He's a really good number two on a championship team, in my opinion. I now, the same thing. bringing him to Minnesota would have ruined 
a lot. I think especially if you were to give up Chris Dunn. I said this before the draft, and I still believe this. Dunn is the third best player in this draft, I think, who has the potential to end up maybe becoming the best. We don't know how people work out. I think he fits so well in Minnesota because they really don't have an established point guard. I know Rubio, we all know his name, but I don't love him as an NBA guard. Me neither. I think he can fit so well with Towns, with Wiggins, with uh, Levine too. So not only does he have his, all this potential, but now he has the perfect situation to grow and really maximize that potential. I think if you were to have maybe some say say hypothetically that draft goes through, or the trade, and Dunn goes to Chicago and Jimmy Butler comes to uh, Minnesota, I felt it would have been like mixing oil and water. It would have been a group of young guys who are trying up and coming, and they're doing it together, right? We're all young. We're all going to develop together. Wiggins and Butler's already this older guy who's like trying to. Well, learn he's how with to lead Thibodeau though. Yeah, no, th- I know. Twenty six too. He's not that old. No, but, but I, f- I feel like they're like like Minnesota is a collection of really talented players all at the same point in their they're career. They're rebuilding, yeah. And Butler is at a different point in his career, and I think him going to Minnesota, they would have put too much responsibility on him because, like I said, I don't think he's a number one. And if he were to have gone to Minnesota, I think he would have been looked at as one. Well, let me say this: I get the feeling that Minnesota is going to start contending for a playoff spot next year. They're they, it's not going to be as slow a process as we all think. Now that Thibodeau's there, they're going to really start going for for a playoff spot despite the the competition that's in the Western Conference. We I saw Carl Anthony Towns yesterday on ESPN in the morning say he's not going to let it happen uh, in reference to them missing the playoffs because the the question was framed as Ricky Rubio apparently said that he may leave in free agency if they don't make the playoffs. Oh. And, and Carl yeah exactly. And now they have Chris Dunn. So you know I just I, I feel like this team is really gunning for a playoff spot and Jimmy Butler the Tom Thibodeau really wanted him last night. Uh, at least that's what, what we're hearing. And, you know, he's a great player, but I just look at Jimmy Butler and I say, what does he have that Chris Dunn doesn't? And Chris Dunn's four years younger. I, I don't know. Uh, Matt, do you feel the same way about that? Yeah, I, I agree with what both of you guys have said so far. The only thing to remember is that two-way players are so important with the way the league is going, kind of positionless, everyone's been saying, leading up to the draft. And, Chris Dunn is a really solid two-way option at point guard. Maybe he could shoot it a little bit better. And then if the argument for Butler in this comparison would be, oh, he shoots it better than Dunn. But Dunn's a point guard, so it doesn't really matter. It's hard to compare them. But Jimmy Butler is a really good defender, too. But overall, I think adding a point guard, and they can also get something for Rubio now. And if they could bring in another solid piece in a Rubio trade, the Timberwolves are definitely on the rise. And I think they're on pace for maybe an Oklahoma City Thunder-type rise kind of out of nowhere, a couple years That's of building it up, and then yeah. to be a consistent playoff team. Let me ask you guys this. What, what, what else surprised you there in that first round? I think I know what Reed's going to go with. So, Reed, take the floor. Well, I know um, Prince at number 12 to Utah freaked me out, but uh, the number one surprise to me <laughs> came at number 10. Um, I think – by the time the seventh pick came around, I went down into the, the conference room with the interviews or whatever, and I'm sitting there on my computer uh, looking to ask questions. And I, I look at the board, and I all I see is breaking news, maker to bucks at number 10. <laughs> and I don't know if— Everybody was shocked. I was—this uh, is a player that before the draft started, some thought wasn't even NBA ready. That uh, Coming from high school, of course, we know that story, that he hadn't really even gone against— semi-good competition, right? How you go from right. high school to the pros. And so they were talking about whatever team takes him, may put him in the D-League or whatever. So Maker at number 10, I was just, 
I, I was shocked. Um, questions about his age, whether he's 19 or 24. Apparently, he's still 19. They're, yeah, they're yeah, going to go well, with 19. Well, he was asked that. He, he came down, and he seemed very – and if it means anything, I when I saw him, he looks young. I don't think he looks 23, but that could be deceiving. He, that was asked. He addressed it in a very dismissive manner. He was kind of like, I'm 19 pretty much. But, yeah, Maker, <laughs> I don't know what the Bucks were thinking. I, 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 I Maybe they want another really long – foreign player who they think could take the league by storm. I don't know. But like I said, I would, I would have to say Thon Maker at number 10 was my big shock. Matt? Uh, for me, too. I think the Maker thing, actually, it was such a shock, but then immediately after that was the Oklahoma City-Abaca trade Yeah. because DeMontis Sabonis was picked at 11, and then his rights trade. were a part of that trade. So that, that kind of had the talk about Maker died down a little bit, and now everyone's looking back at the draft like, Milwaukee really picked this guy, Son Maker, 10th overall. <laughs> and I agree with Reed that they kind of fell in love with that lengthy type player, and maybe they think he could be similar to the Greek freak in a couple of years, whatever. I don't know how they're going to play, but in my eyes, Milwaukee redeemed themselves a little bit in picking Malcolm Brogdon in the second round because I knew you were going to go there. A <laughs> perimeter threat. So I know Christian and I on the last podcast <laughs> yeah. talked about our love. For Malcolm Brogdon, so it wasn't a, a terrible night overall for the Bucks, but Son Maker at ten, maybe it'll make all of us look bad in a couple of years down the road if he turns into something. But that's a little too early for my liking. I'm, I mean, the Cavs are world champions, so anything's possible, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that's a good point, Reed. But you know, it's clear that Jason Kidd's going for a blueprint, and that's length. You know, he's got Thon Maker now. He's got John Henson, the North Carolina guy. He's got his point guard at six foot. What? eight or nine in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then he's got Jabari Parker. So he's got length. He's got size in that lineup. And, I, and I'm assuming that's what they want to go with. Maybe, as blueprint. maybe he's trying to have the first ever all seven foot five. Yeah. Like just, like, I, just seven foot point guard, seven foot it, <laughs> shooting guard. You know, in today's game, you need length to disrupt passing lanes and whatnot. And I guess that's the blueprint they're going with. You know, Jason Kidd clearly has a calculated uh, strategy for their future. And they have a lot of talent there. So so maybe this is a pick, like you said, that makes us all look bad, Matt. And I like the Malcolm Brogdon one as well. But as you alluded to already, at number 11, it was Orlando going with DeMontis Sabonis out of Gonzaga. He was quickly traded to Oklahoma City along with uh, Victor Oladipo, excuse me, former future Dwayne Wade prospect and I don't even say and uh Ersan Ilyasova um I, I'm not saying he was Dwayne Wade but that's what everybody else was saying when he was getting drafted uh Ersan Ilyasova also went in that deal for um Serge Ibaka come to Orlando guys that was probably the biggest blockbuster of the night it definitely was um is Kevin Durant gonna be an okay gonna be an OKC definitely now I personally have no idea what's going to happen with Kevin Durant. If anything from this trade, I think it helps their chances of getting him. I know some people are on the fence about that. Like, what are what does Oklahoma City have down low now? They have Stephen Adams. They have the, the rookie Sabonis, and but you know no Ibaka there. But personally, for me, you're getting three solid solid players if you're Oklahoma City, and getting rid of a guy in Serge Ibaka who, yes, he blocks a lot of shots and he's an elite rim protector. But he, to, in my eyes, he's kind of run his course a little bit in Oklahoma City. He's starting to take a lot of threes. He's not the same defensive prowess as he once was. So for me, it was kind of just like maybe he needs a change of scenery and you're getting a guy like Oladipo back in the trade that's a really solid defender, 
could start at shooting guard, could be a spark off the bench. So I think it probably boosts the chances of Kevin Durant re-signing a little bit, at least. Well, first we have to look at this trade as the reason they did this, the reason from this point on the Thunder do anything is to keep Kevin Durant. The reason they put two sugars in their coffee is to keep Kevin Durant. (laughs) That's all they're thinking about, right? And so they'd make this trade. Serge Ibaka goes to Orlando, and many casual NBA fans are thinking, oh my God, how could this do? Serge Ibaka's one of the big three. They did not trade the Serge Ibaka that they uh, gave up Harden for. He's a much different player and has a lot less of an impact on the roster, especially with Adams' resurgence. Now, you say they got um, some really good pieces. You mentioned Oladipo. Now, I don't think he ever will be as good as the greatest shooting guard in the history of Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade. That being said, he is also a very undervalued player, I think, in the NBA. I heard some stat. In his first two years in the NBA, he scored um, only three players in Orlando Magic history have scored more points in the first two years. That was Shaq, Hardaway, and Howard. So that's a great that's a great group to be around. So I think OKC thinks they get Oladipo, and it, it has yet another scorer member with Westbrook, you know, so they don't have to maybe bring waiters over. And you talk about they get um, draft pick from Orlando. This makes Oklahoma City better, and it makes it way more attractive for Kevin Durant. They needed a two-guard. And they got got one. He's a very good guard. Very good uh, athlete, can really defend. Yeah, he's not Dwayne Wade. I I thought those were ridiculous comparisons. They were just setting him up for failure in in Orlando when they were comparing him to Dwayne Wade. Whenever you compare anybody to Dwayne Wade, you're setting him up for failure. Yeah. But Victor Oladipo in OKC as as a complimentary player is a great trade, and Demontis Sabonis fits that 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 mold that we're seeing with Stephen Adams as a tough guy down low that can really help them. Serge Ibaka just got away from yeah. his strengths late lately in his career. He's shooting a th- he's trying to be a stretch four. He's not a stretch four. He's a rim protector who's got a mid range jump shot and should play around the rim. And for whatever reason, they tried to make him a stretch four. They should have told him to stop doing it because it wasn't helping the team. And, and now he's in Orlando. I think it's too uh, early to say where, where Kevin Durant's going to go. But wherever he decides to go, I guarantee you, he said it himself, he's going to put his roots down there. He's going to stay there. He doesn't want to do this anymore, he said. So I'm honestly leaning towards OKC. I think he's someone who's very comfortable yeah. there. Um, but you talk about Serge Ibaka. Yes, he's gone away from his game. That being said, look for him to be amazing in Orlando. I think There's all, room now. I, you know what I'm saying? They have a wide-open roster, and I think he's still a very talented big man. Watch all of his numbers skyrocket. He's going to be on a bad team, and everyone's all of a sudden going to see Serge Ibaka and be like, oh, my God, whatever. And he could end up making some good money down the line. So this could be good for both teams. He's, you know, He's talented enough. He had no more room to grow in that OKC roster. You know. Yeah. Now, the downside is he and, won't be going Frank- near a championship anytime soon. Frank Vogel, their new coach in Orlando, is a really good coach at developing big men. You saw what he yeah. did last year with Miles Turner in Indiana. So definitely you could see the positives for Serge Ibaka's career. I think it was just time for him to get out of OKC. I, they definitely helped their chances of getting Durant because there's no way they didn't run this through by with Durant first. They would be... That would probably be a Nick, the most Knicks-like blunder not to run this through Kevin Durant before doing it. That's what they, I said. They def, it definitely helped their chances. They're a more complete team now. They really didn't lose anything. Uh, but then again, maybe we're underestimating the impact Ibaka had. He did make some huge plays for them in that series against against Golden State, but he also made some mistakes. And he also, as a stretch forward, doesn't really fit that that mold. Um, but that's that's elsewhere. Let's get to local basketball. The, the New York teams, Brooklyn... As we said um, in our pre-draft podcast, they traded for the 20th overall selection. They got Thaddeus Young. Um, 
I mean, they gave up Thaddeus Young for the 20th overall selection to Indiana. They got Karis LeVert out of Michigan, a, sh- a shooting guard who's had foot surgeries, a lot of questions regarding his injuries. We have sound from him if we could play it. I went for a visit about a month ago. Um, I knew the staff really liked me, but I didn't know if they had any first-round picks or anything like that. Um, but I'm blessed to be a part of this organization, uh, best to be a part of a great city as well. So uh, it's just an honor to be here. And, and you know, that was a little bit of a surprising pick, guys. We, there were a lot of names on the board. Deontay Davis uh, was one of them from Michigan State. He fell to the first pick in the second round. But, uh, you know, it's a good pick if he's healthy. A very talented two-guard can really score, can really put the ball in the hole. Uh, what did you guys think of that pick? The big thing you just said it is if he's healthy. He's been in and out of the Michigan lineup for the last two years with injuries. But a side note, his suit was really cool at the draft last night. No, it wasn't. That was so ugly, Matt. (laughs) What are you talking about? No, I didn't say it was nice looking. I said it was cool because it was Michigan colors, so you got to rep your your school or whatever. Do it I I didn't see it. Ohio State and Michigan players in any sport tend tend to rep their colors like pretty hardcore. But uh, from a basketball standpoint, I was on my way back from the Barclays Center last night, and I had on ESPN Radio. I heard uh, Jeff Goodman talking about the Nets. He just mentioned it because he was talking Celtics, and he was saying that the Nets got worse during the draft, which helped the Celtics because they obviously have their first-round picks for the next two years still. He's saying the Nets got worse because they made the Thad Young trade prior to the draft, so they got rid of Thad Young, and the two guys they get out of this draft are Karis LeVert and Isaiah Whitehead. So to me, LeVert and Whitehead are guys that are typical Nets kind of players. You don't know if they're going to be D-league guys, what, they're going to, what kind of impact they're going to have. They're not game changers for their lineup, and the Nets are going to be in a lot of trouble next year, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with Matt. They gave up a lot. I personally love Young. As a player, I think the reason Indiana, I think Indiana stole him. Honestly, I think the Nets are starting to get really desperate, trying to become better, and and not understand that this is going to be a process. That being said, with Levert, they really swung for the fences because you mentioned uh, he's very long. He has injury problems, though. I think he has a chance to become a very, very, very good player in this league. Mm. And I think he also has a chance to be a very, very, very disappointing draft pick, you know? He and can so, shoot, though. He's th- a that's what I'm good saying. When he's he could really develop into a great player. And I thought we talked about this in the podcast before is that they got a 20th pick. By the time you get to 20, I think any a lot of players available have a very low chance of becoming superstars you know if they had gotten even a little bit higher like chicago side note they got valentine which i thought was a great pick if they had gotten a little bit higher i think they could have gotten someone a little bit more sure so i think their reasoning with lavert was like you know what we don't know if he's going to work out but we think he has better upside at his position than anyone else that was available and so they did it you know well yeah there seems to be a little bit of doubt about what the nets gave up because charlotte um gave away the 22nd pick to Sacramento for Marco Bellinelli. So everybody was saying that the Nets give up too much, but the Nets' only asset was Thaddeus Young, so they didn't have a Marco Bellinelli to give up, really. So I don't know if, if they explored that route, but you know they saw something there in the first round that they wanted, and they and they went out and got Le- uh, Karis LeVert. So if they think he's healthy enough and he's going uh, to be healthy down the line, then, then it's a good pick because uh, the talent's all there with Karis LeVert. Uh, they also, as you said, Matt, uh, they got Isaiah White had a Seton Hall product in the second round. They traded up to the 42nd pick with Utah. They originally had the 55th pick, and they, and they took the Seton Hall guy, uh, a guy that, that was on the Knicks radar, apparently a Carmelo fan. Uh, Carmelo was a fan of his, and uh, he went to Brooklyn. I like that trade as well. Look, this team needs 
this 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 prospect as well because the team needs guards. They need guys who can really set up the offense. Kenny Atkinson is a guard guy. Um, really, Brooke Lopez is their only guy that can take the ball and score for them right now. But <laughs> look, it's a rebuilding process. They unfortunately for them, they don't really have a first round pick for a couple years. Boston has the right to swap with them next year, and then Boston has their pick so in twenty eighteen. Horrible, my God. So right now, it's really just free agency is their only option. Um, so it's pretty bleak for the Nets, but at the same time, they have a great executive running running the show in Sean Marks, and they have Kenny Atkinson right now, who a lot of people seem to really like. But the Knicks, they didn't get a pick. They didn't acquire anything, which was contrary to what a lot of people thought was going to happen. Phil Jackson had acquired picks in his first two years with the Knicks, um, one of which was Willie Hernan Gomez out of Spain, Kristaps uh, Porzingis back at Sevilla, who was expected to sign a multi-year contract with the Knicks this offseason. Um, the Knicks didn't get anybody in the draft. Uh, they signed a couple guys, undrafted free agents, Ron Baker of Wichita State and Marvell Harris of Fresno State, but they didn't really do anything. Did you guys Were you guys a little disappointed? Do you think the Knicks should have gone out and got somebody, acquired a pick? No, I didn't well, expect made- them at all. I didn't expect them yeah. to go and get one at all. I mean, once Rose was traded, I thought we talked about this before, right? Like, they're going free agency, and, and Phil Jackson even said now, told Derrick Rose he's going to be going after Kevin Durant. So I think maybe the Knicks are looking to get it through free agency. Um, but who were they, they couldn't have gotten anyone, right? The one guy you guys talked about, Brogdon, Milwaukee now has. And so they just kind of just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I thought Brogdon would have been a good pick, but apparently Phil Jackson didn't see anything out there that was worth. You know, the thing about the second-round picks is they were going for a lot of money. Typically, it's around $1.5 million to purchase a second-round pick. Teams were really having to throw in two, two to three million for a second-round pick. Which... I don't know why. There's, I like, I told you, this draft itself was not necessarily the deepest draft. There's a lot of risky picks in this thing. Teams are desperate, and the Nets are one of them. They want, they need help because they don't really have a lot of options, and they have to go through the draft. I, I think someone should hire Matt though, because Matt's Matt's been hitting it lately. Matt on draft has been picks. Matt has been our draft guru, picking all these guys. You guys. Yeah, you guys are making me blush over here. All I'm doing is reading a couple of tweets and deciding that Jalen Brown might be might be the Celtics pick, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm the next Chad Ford on ESPN. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. Nothing wrong with that, Matt. But uh, speaking on the Knicks, I agree with what both of you guys said already. After the Rose thing happened, that was kind of their big splash. But I do like the Ron Baker signing. They might have. Uh, you talked about the money that second rounders were getting. They probably got Baker for much cheaper. Hopefully he can work out better than the other Wichita State pro- product, uh, Clay Anthony Early, for the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, Clay Anthony Early, I remember when he dropped. I thought he was going to be good. He's been uh, god-awful. But let's get to uh, just wrap it up, this, this podcast. Uh, who were the teams that you thought really hit the jackpot in, in the draft, uh, really got the, the right guy at the right spot? And, and who were the teams or, or the guys that you thought were a bit – of a reach, um, potential bust down the line? Um, well, we already talked about the guy that I think has the most potential to be a bust, uh, Thon Maker, I think, at 10 to Milwaukee. So I'll give you guys some of my other uh, positive analysis of teams and players that were picked. Obviously, I'll start off with the Sixers get, getting Ben Simmons is huge. I don't care if they took two international players in the, in the low 20s. They could work out, they might not, but you got Ben Simmons, a franchise-altering type player, is what they're hoping. And also Chris Dunn to Minnesota, 
So Minnesota and Philly made the right picks, in my opinion. From an overall team draft standpoint, I liked what Phoenix and what Memphis did. I know I wasn't high on Tyler Eulis in the pre-draft podcast, but they got him in the early second round at 34, Steel. which was much lower than he was going to be projected. And they also got Dragan Bender and Marquise Chris, two long front court players. So Phoenix could, could be one of the teams that did the best in this draft down the road when we look back. And Memphis got Wade Baldwin at 17, which was a little lower than where he was yeah. supposed to go. And then Deontay Davis, Christian mentioned, was the first pick of the second round. They got him in a trade with the Celtics. So that was a huge pick from me. I liked what Phoenix and what Memphis did overall on the night. Yeah, well, Baldwin at 17 was something I was hoping was going to happen, and it did because uh, we all know Conley may not be there. So there was going to be a giant hole. So I think Baldwin also coming from the Vanderbilt, right? So he's going to stay right at home. I think he'll fit really nicely into a roster that already has tons of veterans around him. And I really loved at number 14, Chicago, taking Denzel Valentine. This is a player who I know is older, but I think he definitely has the potential to become a superstar in this league. And for a team that just got rid of Rose, I think Valentine brings size. I think he brings a work ethic. And I think he brings a really just a wide variety of skill set. He can pass, he can shoot, he can I think he needs to work on his defense, but I'm really looking at Chicago and I'm thinking, you know what, at 14, you got the most talented player in that draft, not necessarily what they needed, but he's the most talented. So I was happy with that. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said. Uh you know, as for who I think really won it, I thought the Clippers getting Bryce Johnson. He was my sleeper on, on, oh, yeah, on Wednesday. Call. That's The Clippers getting Bryce Johnson at number 25, I, I was worried he was going to slip out of that first round. This is a guy that during the tournament everybody was saying was a lottery pick. They yeah. got him at number 25. He can come off the bench for Blake Griffin or, or DeAndre Jordan, really provide valuable minutes. Great pick uh, for, for Doc Rivers and that organization. I really think the Clippers hit the jackpot with him. Um as for the team that maybe didn't do as well as I as I would have hoped for, Sacramento continues their trend of, of disappointing their fans. I think <laughs> they just disappointing Demarcus Cousins. Get rid of the Kings. Apparently, go DeMar- back to Seattle. What did Demarcus Cousins tweet out? Lord save me, or don't get me started on it. Yeah, yeah. Lord give me the strength. Yeah, give me the strength. Right, and and. Look, I don't really blame him on this one because they, they got Giorgios Pap- Papagiannis from Greece, who's a center, seven foot two center. Even if he's a good prospect, they already have their center and cousins. Um, they also got Labissier uh, from Kentucky, and they they didn't they traded Marquise Chris uh, to Phoenix. They originally picked them for... They got Malachi Richardson, right? And they got Malachi. Yeah. And Malachi was my, my future bust, really. And uh, that was the organization that you really don't want to see a guy that raw yeah. and, and that that much doubt sur- surrounding guy to go to Sacramento. I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping they, uh, I'm wrong. They did get another Cousins to team up with DeMarcus. Second to last pick of the draft, Isaiah yep. Cousins from Oklahoma. Now Vernon guy. Save that's not that that's going to save the franchise or be a pick that makes their overall draft any better. I did not like what they did with those other three guys you mentioned, Labissier, Malachi Richardson, and I don't even know how to say that guy's name that they got at 13 from Greece. But <laughs> uh, overall, yeah, the Kings, the Kings were not a team that did very well. I think another team was Boston that people were disappointed with how boring of a night they kind of had. They didn't really get anything to go through. But – Sleeper pick, you talked about Bryce Johnson. Another guy that played really well in college, Demetrius Jackson, went to Boston. Yeah, that was another good value. That was a really good value pick at 45, so I like that a lot. Well, this draft is really hard to predict, right? 
most we talked about the depth, but also because of so many foreign players taken. There's more. The last time I th- I believe the only time there was ever more foreign players taken in the first round draft, I mean, foreign like overseas they tied players, the record, didn't they, was year. 1972. Yeah. So there's a lot of players that the majority of people don't even know anything about. Yeah. So on top of a draft which is already hard to predict, right? An 18, 19, 20-year-old, how they're going to be five years from now. On top of that, there are players that none of us have even seen really in college. Yeah. And so, the, like we talked, you talked about um, Sacramento taking them. Boston took some. Bender. Like, these are guys that could end up becoming really good. But a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know. Yeah. I, you know, it was it was an interesting draft to me. I I know a lot of people thought of it as a two-man draft, and that made it boring for a lot of people. I thought it was interesting because of all the trades and a lot of uh, it was very unpredictable. Uh, a lot to talk about. I think we got, we got most of it. Uh, great coverage, guys. Reed Horner and Matt Murphy did a phenomenal job yesterday covering it from the Barclays Center. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is with, with some of these stash picks. It, the team like Boston has eight picks, and they're as good as they are. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna get some of the stash picks because they don't need them right away. So it was it was a very entertaining draft for me. I enjoyed a lot of it. Um, that's it for our draft coverage. I, I'm, I'm, I hope you you all liked it. Uh, we'll have more regarding free agency next week in the coming weeks. The Knicks hopefully will do something. The Nets hopefully hopefully will do something, and uh, we'll be back shortly. So for Manny Adeye, uh producing a big shout out, uh, yes. big help, and for Matt Murphy. And Reed Horner, I'm Christian Goey. Thanks so much for joining us.